Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Green Pole podcast. I, like Alexander Mitrovic, have been a bit of a naughty boy, but I've been called back to this podcast because many people are unavailable. So I'm Dan Crawford. I'm the editor of Hammy End, and I'm trying to behave myself uh, tonight. And I'm glad to be joined by a regular on this podcast in my absence, Oscar. Oscar, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Surprised to hear I'm a regular now, but uh, other than that, great. Well, you've you've made the shirt your own. You've come in and given some excellent performances. So, you know, we like to reward uh, consistency on the podcast and absolutely you're a regular. So I'm looking forward to chatting all things Fulham with yeah. you ahead of the match against Bournemouth uh, this weekend. Hopefully... Um, you're looking forward to that match. It'd be good to have a Fulham game back, given everything we've been talking about in the last sort of few days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right there. Absolutely. And let's go to that very hot issue at the moment, uh, because we're recording this after Marco Silva's press conference, but before um, the sort of final team news comes out before the weekend. So what we do know is that uh, 24 hours ago, uh, Marco Silva and Alexander Mitrovic issued personal apologies for their behaviour at Old Trafford, and they've made contact with the referee, Chris Kavanagh, to apologise for their, um, well, I suppose, um, haranguing of the officials. Their misbehaviour. <laughs> Indeed, it seems like you know. You know yeah. when you used to. Oh, I don't. I'm sure you're a very well behaved young man, Oscar, and you never got a detention at school. But <laughs> I did get detention. Oh no, never. No, well, this is it, right? We have standards to uphold. But I did get detentions at school, and I had to apologise to people for you know. Oh, out. I hated apologising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you well, but I would chat out things like "Come on, you whites!" in the middle of a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Which would obviously, they, they thought it was some sort of racial um, uh, <laughs> chant, and obviously we know what it means, but you know, it would get me into trouble. Um, and so I would have to apologize frequently, even for things that were not my fault. Um, you all had your say on this, um, and I'm just going to go straight to you. How did you feel when you read? what Alexander Mitrovic and Marco Silva have said and do you think it was the right thing to do? Did they have anything to apologise for in your view? Well, the first thing is I, I'm not entirely convinced and this is no slight on them but I'm not entirely convinced that they were their words. I think someone may have, um, shall we say, assisted them with the writing of these of these apology letters. Um, I don't... I don't think what they did, obviously, I don't I don't defend what they did. I think obviously some reactions have been a bit extreme, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think, I think a public apology sort of undermines the kind of siege mentality, which kind of some fans are going for. And I know some people were saying that it might make um, the FA be a bit more lenient on us. I don't think that's the case. I still think that they're going to throw the book at us because, you know, this is quite an easy opportunity to in from their point of view anyway. So if I was them, I, I would never have apologised. But yeah, as you said, at school, uh, whenever whenever I had to write that detention letter in school, uh, I would always, I've never apologised and I'd always state my case and say why I think I was right. I would I would sometimes, you know, 
I would some I think sometimes it's right to acknowledge that maybe you could have handled things better, but the way they kind of just essentially capitulated, I'm not necessarily sure it was the right idea. Also, I know some people on uh, Twitter and places like that saying that they thought um, Mitro only got a three-game ban. I don't think that's... My impression was that's not quite what you were saying. I think you were saying he's accepting the standard three-game ban and then he's also going to... He might also get something on top that remains to be seen, but most likely he will. Yeah, I think there's a bit of sort of um, poker playing going on here, um, if I might put it that way. Fulham are obviously trying to manage the public perception, because I think, Oscar, you would agree with me, the reaction to this has been incredible. I, It's totally unjustified to suggest that, you know, this is the worst assault on a referee that we've ever seen. It was comparable to Eric Cantona kung fu kicking somebody. And there are numerous instances of players... Um, touching the referee during a match and getting away with it. I mean, the England players touched the official in the game in Italy um, over the international break, and nobody seemed to remark upon that. Um, I I would say I I have to agree with what you said from the outset. I've been a referee. I'm still a football coach myself. I don't condone anything that either Marco Silva did on the touchline or how Alexander Mitrovic touched the official. You can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't, but by the same token, I'd love to know what Chris Kavanagh said to Alexander Mitrovic. We will never know, Oscar, what was said by the official because they seem to not, they seem to be able to operate with impunity and, you know, some code of omata. Um, But it's clear that Kavanagh says something to Mitrovic that, in my parlance, made him switch, right? Yeah, yeah I, I noticed that as well. I noticed that as well. I so noticed, I, like, yeah. I'd love to know what he said. We will never know. And I think you're right in, in your estimation of the fact that Mitrovic has said he'll accept a three-game ban. The FA have already said they're looking for something non-standard. And I do think we need to improve our behaviour. But I wonder if Somewhere, not publicly, but somewhere there'll be some admission from Chris Kavanagh that some of his decisions during that match or non-decisions contributed to what how, how it ended up. But fundamentally, yeah. I look back, I went to Old Trafford, as you know, <laughs> on the club coach, all the way there at nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> on my back, very late at night. Not one of my more sensible decisions, I have to say. Um <laughs> So I had a long time to stew on the result. Um, With a bunch of other Fulham fans. <laughs> indeed. And, you know, after 72 minutes, it looked like one of the best decisions I'd ever made, Oscar, because we were 1-0 up and we were totally in control. And the three people who got red cards have to take responsibility for what happened after that. Because at 1-1 with 10 men, we might have had a chance. At 1-1 with nine men... And no manager, you know, it, <laughs> you know the percentage chances is, is minimal. But I think what they've done is they've tried to apologise because I find it extraordinary that people have said that this, you know, they're, they're throwing the book at Fulham essentially and they'll carry on doing it because they can. You know, nobody, yeah. 
Nobody. Sir Alex Ferguson watched that game with a big smile on his face by the end. He was the master of getting players to intimidate referees. You know, and the idea that on the television, Roy Keane was telling us how everyone should behave. I mean, I'm glad I wasn't watching it on the television because my television would not have withstood the anger that, you know, I would have broken my television listening to Roy Keane because the irony of that is extraordinary. Oh, I was watching, yeah. Yeah. I was watching it on TV. It was absolute. it was, I was, I was, uh, when Mitrovic was, um, Going on at the referee, I was screaming at, at the TV, just punch him, punch him. Oh no! When, when, look, 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 let's just let's let's. Just, <laughs> I, I, I understand heat and passion in the moment, but let's be clear: that's not a hammy end view. We don't. Oh no, we, no, 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 no! Absolutely not. We don't condone not. people punching the referee. Not. Absolutely um, but, not. But the reaction feels like he did that anyway. Absolutely not. Right? It yeah, does feel yeah, like yeah. he's punched the referee. Spark out. And you know he should be banned yeah. for uh, for for six months, ten games. But I'm I'm very glad he didn't. I do want to make that very clear. I'm very glad he didn't. I was just in the heat <laughs> of the moment, shall we? I'm say. I'm glad we're recovering some ground here. We don't <laughs> condone assaulting officials. Uh, I would say probably Marco Silva needs to take a moment, and he's been in trouble quite a lot for haranguing referees. Yeah, he has. Right? And the manager sets the tone for the team. And I'm glad he came out today in the broadcast section of the press conference and said what he said. I'm glad that we've apologised. But as I say, we're going to move on now. Um, I don't think Fulham Football Club are the only people that should apologise. The double standard is Fulham will apologise publicly for the conduct of their players. It will never be made public what the referee, the referee's assessor, the FA and PGMOL think about the referee's performance because, you know, Luke Shaw pushes over Mitrovic two hands. You know, he gives Mitrovic more of a shove than Mitrovic gives the referee. And we're not talking about yeah. that. And that seems very convenient to me. Now, had we been awarded the penalty and Mitrovic had stepped up to take it, it might still be travelling through Greater Manchester. There is that, <laughs> there is, there is that possibility, but... You know, I leave that there for people to debate. Um, let's move on because we've, we've had some international football. It's not everyone's favourite. I don't uh, know. I like it. I like it. Well, um, you are our Serbian <laughs> correspondent, so I am going to come to you in a minute for in-depth analysis of <laughs> the two Serbian results. Um, but I am going to run through very briefly uh, some of the performances of note by Fulham players. So let's do it very quickly. Um, Dan James, for instance, has got a lot of criticism for his time, I like him. At, for his I like time him at Fulham. But he did a really good uh, cross uh, against Latvia to give Wales three points the other night in Cardiff. Yeah. And when you add that to the Welsh point in Croatia, which was kind of a last gasp um, mugging, that we like, like Brighton essentially. We the Wales got a point there. They've now got four points from two matches, and Harry Wilson was in good form in those two matches. That bodes well for Fulham. We didn't see Luke Harris. I do have to say to the Welsh FA and to Rob Page, if you're going to take our star boy and put him in the senior team, this is the second time you've done it now, and he's, not, see, he's not seen the pitch, mate. I mean, I'd much rather have him at Motspur Park <laughs> training and, and, you know, you can take anyone for experience, put him on. 
Give him a go. <laughs> Very disappointing, but well done to Wales. Um, Sam Ream and Anthony Robinson played in one of the two United States games. I think they've got through to the next stage of the Nations League, the CONCACAF Nations League. So very well done to them. And it's great to see those two Americans still performing so consistently for the United States. Um, We need to have a word about possibly one of the best goals scored Oh, by a Fulham oh, player Decked over Reed. on international duty Decked ever. Did you, Reed, see, yeah. did you see this goal? I did. Oscar? It was Jamaica, Mexico. It was absolutely amazing. What I found even more funny was the, um, what, sorry, what not even more, what I found quite funny was the commentator. It was absolutely scrabbling on the um, feeds. He couldn't even figure out who scored. He couldn't even figure out what team scored, let alone the player. But it was an absolutely amazing goal. And yeah, as you said, definitely one of the, best goals I've ever seen internationally from a Fulham player, if not the best. And it does show that when you have this idea that Bobby can sort of fill in in any position for Fulham, because that's how we've seen him, but he can't half strike a ball, as we know from some of the goals he's scored for Fulham. You know, he's got real ability and if we are looking for a striker at some point, he might be an option up there. You know? I don't know about, I don't know, I don't know, because the thing is, right, the thing is, we tried that before, I think, Oh, I forgot what game. I think it was... Oh, no, it wasn't... Was it Brighton? Yeah, yeah, it was Brighton where we, I think, started. That's right, we started with it and we had to change it around. But I feel like when the ball drops in that position, I'm not averse to Bobby having a hit, you know. No, no, no. But I think he does that anyway, you know. Yeah, and I love that, man. He, He gives up everything for the team and it's great to see him thriving. For yeah. his country, I would say yeah. um, Delano McCoy Splat made his senior debut for Jamaica over the international break. One of our under twenty one players. So massive congratulations to uh, Delano for making his senior debut. Really looking forward to seeing more of him uh, in the academy and hopefully in the first team. Um, we need to talk about Manuel Solomon produced a lovely little. Did you see this? It was that Kosovo. Yeah, Is against Kosovo, he made a wonderful <coughs> assist for the for the equaliser for Israel in their first match. Did he did he see that? I didn't actually watch the. I, oh no, no, I watched the highlights. I didn't watch the game itself. It was a very. It had. I have to. It was very good. I think you know it shows. I think all. I think what the biggest takeaway we can get from those you know decks over reading this man Solomon that is um, we've got a, a variety of quality wingers, and I feel you know going from people like Knockhart and Cavallero. You know, some people have said before, it's like, it's it's just a massive, it's a massive step up, to be honest. It's a I've massive got to, step up. I've got to say this, now that you've mentioned those two names, that I hoped we'd never have to mention on a podcast ever again. <laughs> I sit in the Hammersmith end, Oscar, I know you don't. Um, <laughs> but I, I was worried that I would be in danger of being struck by a shot from uh, Knockout or uh, Cavalero, given how off target they were. So I'm very glad that they're not um, peppering the Hammersmith end with shots, either in the warm-up or in the match anymore. But just on the point you make about the wingers, um, we've got those guys doing really well, uh, as we've talked about. We've also got Niskins Cabano back in training. I saw those photos today from Motspur Park. That's brilliant. So we might have a few more options by the end of the season. And I've left it till last, mate. Because I'm not sure you've been quite upfront about this, but you have some Serbian heritage 
um, yourself. So talk me through <laughs> what, what was a very good start to European Championship qualifying for Serbia. Um, and uh, Mitro and Sasalukic played a key part in in both of those good results for Serbia, didn't they? Uh, well, I have to say, firstly, what the football I saw was against two, shall we say, of the less hard teams in FIFA, in, in, in generally in international football. In but UEFA, for, yeah, go on. In, in yeah. UEFA, sorry, in UEFA, in UEFA, that's my bad, that's my bad. No, that's all right. Um, but... I think it was probably an improvement from what we saw at the World Cup, which was um, shall, not, I, not I, I hard, shall we say? I, not I, I, can't, hard. I can't swear uh, to describe how. Um, Let's just say it was disappointing. The World Cup, disappointing, yeah, yeah disappointing yeah. Is, is is a good way to put it. Now, I don't, um, I don't, I don't like the three at the back system that Pixie plays. Pixie, by the way, is the nickname for the manager. He's um, he was a former player and long, irrelevant. Um, so first up we had it was yeah it was Lithuania first that's right, that's right um yeah. we yeah yeah we we didn't play at our best first half but I think that's kind of what you get in international breaks because you know you're, you're sort of um you're not used to playing with these players and you only have a couple of days to train but we got quite well into it and I think two nil was maybe a bit kind to us but we were the better side and you could see you know the quality difference you know when we have people like Mitrovic and Lukic and Vlachovic and all, all these you know Vlachovic is starting to score some goals now for Serbia as well isn't he yes. Dusan yeah it's absolutely great yeah it's absolutely great and um, it's really exciting by the way uh, Serbia have a lot of uh, young talents and um, it's really good to see that finally coming through you know we've got people like uh, Srakinja Pavlovic who is a very very talented centre back who um, maybe perhaps, Fulham should look to perhaps sign. we could sign him <laughs> yes indeed yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, despite I think probably quite a few people on Twitter I saw the ratings I think that was a bit harsh On I mean specifically on Sasha Lukic and Mitrovic I think it was a bit harsh I watched the entire game I thought yeah. Mitrovic was fine there wasn't too much going up for him so there's not really much he can do you know because you're a striker you can't just come up and take the ball yourself and go halfway up the pitch and he had this really good moment where he almost scored and he um it was kind of like um, Tom Kenny's goal against Sunderland, where he sent the defenders both ways, but then he just missed the target at the end. He whipped it wide. just a little bit wide, yeah. That's it, so, that's it. And then, and then we went to, well, we. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a an interest in the Serbian national team. Um, <laughs> you, a local derby almost against Montenegro. Let's leave aside the history of that, because we'll need a whole podcast to explain it to people who are not Balkans experts. <laughs> but another tough game... <laughs> and this is where Sasha Lukic really sort of came into his own eventually because it took a while to break Montenegro down, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, I remember first half it was, oh, was it? Yeah, it was nil nil first half, I think. And they played, they were probably, um, we probably, we had more possession. I remember that. We had a lot more possession, but they were a bit more dangerous in front of goal. And I think Lukic didn't start, but when he came on, he was absolutely essential. Definitely in the second goal. I don't know if he was on in the first goal for the first goal, but the second goal, it was his great run from like half from halfway down the pitch all the way down to the box, and he manages that with the defenders and passes it to Black, which then has a, essentially an open goal. But I think uh, Lukic sort of showed what he can do, and I think people sort of because at Fulham we haven't really seen him in his natural position because he's mostly been covering for people like Polina. 
So if people want to sort of find out what he wants, what he's all about, watch Serbia games because he plays his playstyle in those games. Yeah, he plays in a more advanced position, a more attacking midfield role as more of a playmaker than he has shown for Fulham so far. And whilst he's versatile and can play in a number of different positions, I think people who watch Serbia would see more of um, Sasalukic uh, that we, the, the, than we've seen so far, his full range of abilities. I think that's what we're, we're talking about. And we're very excited yeah. to have him at Fulham. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So a great absolutely. start to international to, to European Championship qualifying for Serbia. You know, six points from from those two matches without Mitrovic really hitting top form in front of goal, which is good news for Serbia if they're doing it all without Mitro being <laughs> as on fire as he normally is for us. And it's good ask, news for Fulham. Oh well, it depends how much we're going to have to. We're going to get to use him. Um, Actually, to know. be fair, he's he's going to be gone for like ten years and like life imprisonment. So well, we what, might what's never, it really we, matter? we might never what's see him again. You know, they yeah, might have to. Know. Yeah, they might have to put him in jail. Um, given the, the the heinous nature of things, I'll just round off the international section by saying it was great to see Craven Cottage host international football um, on Tuesday night. Unfortunately, England under twenty ones uh, nil Croatia two. But uh, lovely to see Craven Cottage on the television and for the football-loving public to see our ground in the spotlight. Obviously, we had the boat race this weekend. And that used to be when I was a kid, Oscar. That was the only time Fulham were on the Which television. was a long time ago. Oh, don't be rude about it now. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I can just about remember it. Um, I used to have to run just to the television. Indeed. I used to have to run to the television and record the bit as they went past Craven Cottage because that was <laughs> the most prime time Fulham would ever get on the TV. Um, <laughs> and so I still watched the boat race fondly um, just for that moment. And the Riverside stand and everything looked beautiful. Right. And it, we need to move on. We're running out of time. <gasps> and we, we haven't even got to the main point of the podcast, which is Bournemouth away on Saturday. Right. I'm going to read some stats to you. Bournemouth the bottom, Oscar. They've lost eight games, gained eight points, and only scored seven goals since the World Cup. And yet part of me is like, this will not be an easy game for Fulham. How are you feeling about uh, taking on Bournemouth in their own backyard on Saturday? And there's no Scott Parker, which normally gives it a bit more, a totally different feel. How confident are you that we can um, return to winning ways in the Premier League on Saturday after everything that's gone on? I think Bournemouth, I think it's uh, very dangerous to underestimate them. You know, they may have not been a particularly um, point, a point gaining, I think is the best way of playing it, side after the World Cup. But, you know, if you look at games like when they turned up against Liverpool just the week after, they absolutely thrashed uh, Manu. It's clear that they have Obviously, Liverpool aren't like their best this season, but you know, to even to beat them is still pretty impressive, and um, it shows that they definitely have quality and they definitely are a danger, despite their current lack of form. Um, but I think if if Vinicius has a good game, if Willian, if Willian's impact a lot loss, sorry, if Willian's 
<laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, if he's not there, yeah. if we can if we can replace Willian effectively. Yeah, exactly. Then, exactly. Yeah. It shouldn't be too bad. And I think we can we'll definitely um I say this every time, but we'll definitely give them a good game. I think I don't think it'll be a, a clear cut uh, I don't think there is a clear cut advantage for either side. And yeah, it's a pretty open game. But I think we can take it if you know if we play well. <laughs> Of course, I've just said that they're bottom and Southampton are bottom. So I need to correct that right away. I, th- I do think I think Southampton... Yeah, indeed. I'll, I'll suspend myself for three games Excellent. from the podcast. I'll accept a three-game ban um, <laughs> for this oversight. Uh, what I meant to say, of course, is they're the, they're, they performed the worst in the league since the Qatar World Cup. You know, that, that's what I was trying to say, but clearly... It didn't come out right. Um, now, what they do do, and you've alluded to it, they've got 16 of their 24 Premier League points at home. So we know they're going to be difficult to play at home. It's a tight-knit environment. It's a different experience. It's a... Um, it's a... Uh, it's a... Uh, a different ground, and we'll have to get used to that. Obviously, they get behind them uh, very, uh, very, very carefully. The, the the Bournemouth fans, and the last three games we played against them have all been draws. It does seem a very long time ago when we played Bournemouth at home, but they caused us all sorts of problems that day. How it was we two be- all, wasn't it? That's right, and they were in front. Um, they went yep. in front twice, and. Um, Alexander Mitrovic did convert a penalty that day, so that was a very rare occurrence, at least recently. God bless Mitro. Sorry, mate, I didn't mean to slag you off like that. Um, how do we beat them, Oscar? You know, given that we don't know, you know, Marco Silva says he's going to be on the bench on Saturday. Um, I I wouldn't, if I was a betting man, I'd expect the FA to come and hammer us tomorrow or before the game. And give, roll out the punishments just because that's what it's they the can FA. do. You know, how do we beat them? Can we be confident and go on the front well, foot? I don't know, really. Like, it all depends because I think obviously Vinicius isn't Mithrich. And I think, it, you know, people who try to compare him to him are a bit, it's really unfair on the man. But if he turns up like I think he can, we should. I think we should go on the attack uh, on the attack to start with. I think we should be the more aggressive side because I think that's really where we shine, and we should put some trust in our defenders because they've proven them. They've proven that they've gone above and beyond for them this season, and they've done an absolutely outstanding what job. Tim Ream and Diop and Tete and Robinson. So I think if we go on the front foot to start with, because that's where we really shine, we can. I think we can grab. I think that's the best way if we want to sort of grab a win. Even even without Mitrovic and William, yeah, and and that's the you know we're expecting, and obviously we'll miss Mitrovic and and, and William for this game. I do want to say, you know, I feel like Carlos Vinicius has been rather harshly treated. The, some things I read about him, they think he's like a box all conference striker, and he did head he did head the winner against Chelsea, and I don't think that finish he scored against Brentford is easy. He's definitely got something, and I do think he just needs a run of games, which he hasn't got so far. So I don't think we should be writing off uh, Carlos. I've got faith in the man. 
he, he's, he, he, and he's going to repay me. I hope so, Carlos, if you're listening. You know, <laughs> vamos. Come on, my friend. We've got to do it properly. Now, I'm going to ask you, considering that we're going to be without, and I'm suggesting we're going to be without uh, William, Mitrovic, and maybe Marco Silva as well. You know, are you looking for a similar, for the rest of the team to remain fairly the same? We will have Palina back for Premier League action, and we've really missed him, haven't we? How, how yeah. would you be looking to select your team? Are you keeping uh, it roughly the same otherwise? I'd keep it roughly the same. The only thing, uh, the only bone of contention I'd say I'd have is uh, with Lukic and Reed. Uh, I would probably say I'd start Reed Harrison Reed, um, but yeah, because he had a really really good performance against um, Manu, and I think that went under the radar. But him he was Pelina, really good, wasn't he? He was really yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so I I, th- I would start him. And I think depending how the game progresses, if we want to sort of go a bit more on the attack, I'd maybe put Luke John, you know, let's say, let's say, let's say they score first um, or we're on equal terms and we want to sort of go for the winner or go for the draw, depending on the situation. I'd say throw on Luke because he's got a bit more of that uh, attacking mindset on him rather than Reed. But I'd say definitely start him. Definitely start Reed. Yeah. And, and the, we've been playing Bobby Dekladova Reed on the right wing. Um, or occasionally on the left wing, uh, <laughs> given given the uh, personnel that have been unavailable. With William out, are you still all right with playing Bobby Deckard over Reed? I mean, you've got to start with Manuel Solomon, surely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, as um, my family, like, as we, we, my family like to say, um, Bobby Deckard over Reed is our third choice goalkeeper after all. He, he can play <laughs> anywhere. He can play anywhere. Yeah, I hope we don't have to put him in goal. God bless Bobby, but I'm sure he'll give give it a go. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there we are. For a goalkeeper. For a goalkeeper. No, he can certainly leap. He scored some very good headers for us. Two that I can think of this season. One against Leeds and one against Crystal Palace, from memory. Um, Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. And so what I'm going to nail down for you, Oscar, before we finish then... Your prediction for Saturday. It's so difficult to make a prediction, uh... given that we don't know who's <laughs> going to be playing and, you know, who's going to be in the dugout. And God bless Lewis Barmorte. You know things are wrong when Lewis Barmorte is the one calming everything down, um, <laughs> as he did at Old Trafford. What are you saying for Saturday? Are you optimistic? What's your prediction? Well, I, I of course, am extremely reliable at predictions. Uh, despite being a regular, you know, I've got zero out of out of all my um, uh, predictions correct. God, so, God um, loves a trier, mate. God loves a trier. Go on, this is the day. Come on. <laughs> this, you're it, yeah, it right. this is it. This is it. 2-0 Fulham. 2-0 Fulham. Oh, I like that. I like that. I mean, I've written down here 1-0 Fulham, and since I've written it down, I can't change that. No, and you cannot. I remember that um, we, we've been through some real heartache. The last time we were at Bournemouth, I think it was Harry Wilson who dived in and gave away a late penalty. And Scott Parker came over and celebrated in front of the Fulham fans. Um, and that's where I'd like to leave this podcast. Isn't it wonderful that we don't even have to think about Scott Parker going into this match? <laughs> and haven't we done well with all the trials and tribulations we've been through the last fortnight, they're going to ban Mitrovic and Marco Silva 
and we don't have to worry about relegation. Isn't that a hallmark of how far Fulham have come um, this season, Oscar? Have a, isn't it fantastic that they're drawing up that thing of like, who's going to get relegated from the Premier League? And we don't even have to worry about it. I know, it's so nice looking at those graphs and infographics on Twitter, you know, who's going to go down? And it, it, it's looking like a very interesting relegation battle. And it's, I'm just so happy that for once in the Premier League, Fulham are not a part of it. You know, I, I've supported this club for, well, I'm, I'm obviously quite young, but I've supported it for most of my very short life. And in that very short life, we've not been doing very well so far. Apart from yeah, we've been yo-yoing in your exactly. in your Fulham experience. Yeah, exactly. Indeed, indeed. And I'll tell you, in my <laughs> you've advert, you've referred to my advanced stage already. Um, Very advanced it, stage. Thank you, my friend. It doesn't no get much, it, do, it doesn't get much better the longer you support Fulham. Um, I'm still waiting for them to win <laughs> something of may, a major trophy, and I would say we do have a very decent run in. So I know people have sort of given up on getting in the in the Conference League or the Europa League. You know, keep your passports handy, lads. <laughs> we might still have a little jaunt into Europe. And I would love it to go all Kevin Keegan. I would love it if after everything that's gone on, the FA, you know, all of these other teams, all of these pundits, all of these people have slagged off Fulham and we turned up, having had all our best players banned, I mean, not at the rub of the green of the refereeing decisions. I would love it if we ended up in Europe. Anyway, end of rant. Oscar, it's been a great pleasure doing this with you. They might not let me do it again because, you know, no. Alan, Alan and Kieran and Thibaut, they like to, uh, you know, they've taken this podcast and made it their own. But it's been a great pleasure doing this with you. We'll be back to pleasure. We'll be back to review the match uh, over the weekend. Do enjoy it, everyone who's going down to Bournemouth. It's always a great away day. Take those inflatables, celebrate those Fulham goals, <laughs> hoping that we score some, and uh, keep that uh, keep that keep that faith with Fulham Football Club and, and Marco Silva. And come on, you whites! <laughs>